Hey book friends, this is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation, there may be spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. This is episode 15. We're talking about horror and scary books. So, Kiri, I decided today to um, visit the interwebs <laughs> because I feel like we've been talking about these genres all month and we really haven't clarified what's the difference between, say, horror, thriller, and suspense. Correct. So if you had to define them, what would you say? Suspense is something that gets your heart rate pumping fast. Okay. And is kind of a little bit, um, I don't know, like you don't really know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Horror, I feel like, is gory, bloody, zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and scary... Thriller. Thriller would thriller. be... I don't know. Thriller, I feel like, is similar to suspense. I think thriller is the baby of horror and suspense. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. The baby of horror and suspense. Okay. So you actually hit upon some key themes. So good job. Yay. Um, I found this on Reddit, which I usually don't use, but it was actually helpful for once. Nice. Yeah. So the one thing that they talked about was that all deal with the emotion of fear. It's like that kind of drilled it down pretty well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So horror is meant to evoke a strong feeling of, well, horror. (laughs) It's not just fear. It's fear laced with something extra, a transgression of societal norms, such as a serial killer, or even the rules of the universe, supernatural. Mm, Okay. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes makes sense. sense. Suspense makes you hold your breath in anticipation. Mm -hmm. Are you holding your breath? A little bit. Okay. You can't put it down because you want to, you have to see what will happen. Mm Mm-hmm. It evokes fear of the unknown or fear of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. And so there's all this dread and foreboding and dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, thriller keeps you from catching your breath because it doesn't give you the chance. You can't put it down because it's going so fast. It's meant to evoke fear, but fear combined with a heart racing, mm. adrenaline response. And so there might be a supernatural element or something, but the focus is on the real and the physical, a fight, a chase, a threat. Um, Yeah. So similar to um, Dark Matter. Right. I feel like Dark Matter is kind of a thriller book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so it was Into the Corner, or Mm -hmm. Into the Darkest Corner, I think. So, yeah. yeah. And then I also found a really fun article that we can share in the show notes that talks about why scary books are better than scary movies. Mm. So I like it. Yeah, it was kind of fun. I'm, cool. I won't get into it here, but I think it would be nice to include. Awesome. So what tea are we drinking this week? So today I brought over some Yogi Organic Cranberry Spice Probiotic Balance. And uh, organic cranberry is like the seventh ingredient, so I'm a little confused by the name of this, but whatever. Um, and it's supposed to help with your digestion system and Which reminds me of probiotics in the fridge that I always forget to take. I know, in the I fridge. do too. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so it seems like we're supposed to be drinking three to four cups of this daily for maybe Holy the best cow. pooping experience of your life. I don't know. Or maybe 
Ooh. Or maybe too much pooping. I'm thinking too much pooping. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We're talking about poop today, but it's not a cuss word, so it's okay. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts on it? <laughs> My, It doesn't taste bad. Let me preface that before I say this. But literally, when I took a drink of it, I was like, holy cow, this is like drinking a holiday candle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? That's so true. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, this tastes like a candle. It does now that you say that. Yeah, it's like going into Bed Bath & Beyond with your mouth open, walking through the candle <gasps> section. Yeah. yeah. So, huh. yeah. Yeah, it does taste a little candle-like now that you say that. There's a little tartness. And some cinnamon. Cinnamon and cloves and, yep. and definitely some cranberry. But, you know, our digestion, digestive tract is going to be happy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. And we have some exciting news on the tea front that we will hopefully share with you with our next episode. So yeah. stay tuned. All right. Uh, shall we get started with this week's books? Yeah. Okay. Well, I put mine down first. Perfect. Oh, um, which was Security by <laughs> Gina Woolsdorf. And um, so I was drawn to this book initially because it was described as a murder mystery told from the vantage points of hundreds of security cameras. And sometimes it would even have uh, like it would split, split the page into multiple sections to represent different views of different cameras. And I was like, that sounds super duper cool. And um, yeah. And so from that standpoint, I, I think it met my expectations. Uh, I think the thing that I found most interesting, and um, Carrie has already admitted to me that she abandoned it at, at like, page 50. It's true. Um, which is kind of ironic because I read it in about a day and a half. A, because it's super-duper easy, and B, I wouldn't say it's the best book I've read, but it definitely kept me going, where is this going? Mm -hmm. What the heck is going on? So I kept it was a page-turner for me. Um, so the things that I made notes about is – when you initially start, when the book starts, it's told essentially from this omniscient, omniscient point of view, and it lets you know which cameras are, be, are the view that you're getting. And after a while with some of the comments, you start going, wait, this isn't just like an omniscient narrator. This is actually someone who's watching all of this happening. Who the heck is watching this and why aren't they doing anything? Mm -hmm. um, and since Carrie didn't finish the book, she doesn't have an answer to that question. But it's true, I, I don't. Do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now I'm like, should I tell you or not tell you? I mean, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to read it. So you can definitely have all the spoilers you want. <laughs> um, well, I will tell you, it doesn't, you don't know who it is. You start suspecting, or at least I did, who it might be. Um, because they start dropping hints early on, but they f do a big reveal on page 150. Oh, okay. Out of 220. So they wait till almost the end to let you know who it is and why they're not helping. Hmm. Do you want to know who it is? Sure. Am I even going to know the character 50 pages in? <sighs> I can't remember. That's a good question. Well, it's the head of security who was romantically involved with Tess. Is that the guy on the motorcycle? No, that's her foster brother slash oh. soon-to-be lover. Wait, what? We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Maybe we should only read one book, like, per person, because then we can have these reactions of, like, wait, what just, what did you just say? Right, right. <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, where was I? Okay, so, yeah, so... You, and, and again, there are some hints dropped. The person obviously knows a lot about the security system. And you realize that they're in the room with one of the two killer guys. And so then you're like, well, why isn't the killer guy doing anything? Is he tied up? Is he, you know, what, you know, do, is he faking that he's dead? What is going on? What is going on? What's going on? 
So yes, ultimately what you find out is these two hired mercenaries break into this like highly secure, apparently not secure, um, 20th floor security office. And, um, from there, they attack and kill most of the security detail. And the head of security, one of the guys apparently, I don't know if this is actually what happened or not, but he throws a knife at, him, at the back of his neck and it severs his spine, but it doesn't kill him. But he falls forward onto the table and so he's staring at all the camera screens and he's still alive, but he's essentially paralyzed because his spinal cord is severed by this knife. Oh my gosh. Yes. If <laughs> you can see the look Kiri is giving me right now. Um, so I think one of the reasons Kiri probably didn't like this, and I don't watch them as much anymore, but um, and I actually read a description that this is like a slasher movie made into a book. Mm. And there was definitely, I think, elements of that. There's a lot of blood and gore, a lot of violence, triggers, I guess. Um, and then there's this really weird side romance thing going on with the main um, female character Tess, who's like the uptight manager of the hotel. And so, yeah, the guy that rolls up on the motorcycle is her foster. They were both in the foster care system and, um, and she hasn't talked to him in many, many years and she's angry at him and blah, 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 blah. And then, oh my God, but I really love you. And oh my God, I love you too. And then they have sex and admits when everyone's getting killed in the hotel. And <laughs> Oh man, it's like Thanksgiving dinner gone horribly wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so it was, I mean, so they, you know, it's one of those classic stories where they introduce you to these characters and you know something bad is going to happen to them. And so you're waiting the whole time for it to happen. And because you have that omniscient point of view, you like, they're like, the book is describing the killer coming down the hallway and the other person's like, la, 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 la. And you're like, turn around. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then he dies or she dies and you're like I knew that was gonna happen and it sucks and, uh... <laughs> see so I so what threw me off with this book was that it was confusing because it gives you two different options so you're reading the book okay and then there are two different options or two different oh, but that's things the camera that... that's the camera that's like so like now it's a split screen and so it's it, if think about it as if it was two television screens with two different scenes going on at the same time so you're supposed to read one and then the yeah, other that's too time consuming i don't want to do that see that's what i loved about oh, it i couldn't i'm like i don't want to work for this story and at one point there was like eight i was like this is the coolest thing oh, ever no see that's not my jam i just couldn't like there's three right there I guess. yeah uh, at one point oh, there's yeah. like yeah there's a there's one with there's like eight. I just can't do it. I found it distracting. I didn't like it, so I stopped. Okay. So the things that I made me like the book are the shtick, are kind of the unusual creative elements of it that Kiri apparently hated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I could have done without that. So you got like all the backstory of Tess and how she, what was me? She was this foster child and loved foster child who then ended up in this home with these two twin boys and they were her protectors and then one of them dies, and then the other one disappears. They both ride motorcycles doing, like, stunts and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so one of them dies doing a stunt. And then you get all the backstory, and there's all these things, which was fine. But at the same time, I don't know. That part I found a little boring, um, especially because it was kind of juxtaposed against the scary – all the scary stuff, which wasn't really scary as a book. It was more, I'd say, suspenseful because, mm -hmm. again, you knew it was going to happen. Like, you saw it getting ready to happen and you're like oh no maybe maybe they'll survive oh nope nope 
Nope, they did not survive. <laughs> hmm. Do we know why the person ended <gasps> up killing people? That was the only thing that really frustrated about me frustrated me about the book is that when it ends, no, you don't know. Oh, what the hell? Right? Yeah, it just it ends. And you're like, dang it. So you have again the uh the knife in the neck guy who is observing everything. And so sometimes he's kind of in his head and speculating. And so he's like, well, it could have been this or it could have been that. Um, But then you never get any resolution. One of the killers dies and the other one um, they thought was dead, but then he's not and he disappears off into the ocean. And he's going to come back and kill them all in security too. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, so I thought it was clever and innovative. I think the one thing that, um, what works best is, you know, again, that feeling of impending doom and that we, and we knew what was, we were privy to the danger that was coming, but we couldn't do anything about it. So I think that's, I think that's a classic example of this type of genre of Mm -hmm. being able to see what was, it's going to happen and even, and just being kind of freaked out and not being able to stop it. Mm -hmm. But there was also some really sly humor in there. And I wanted, so here's one example. It says, Brian is attacking the grease on his hands with a kitchen towel. The towel has red stains on it. Most likely cherry coulee. One could not rule out the possibility that the stains are not cherry coulee. Hmm. <laughs> so I just thought that was really, you know, it's because it's like delivered really dryly and you're like, right. what, what would it be? Oh, cherries. It's red. It could be blood. blood. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's little things peppered in throughout that, throughout the book. So I thought it was a fun, light read. If you like slasher movies or really suspenseful stuff, mystery, I guess I'm... I, I mean, it was kind of a mystery, but no, not really. No. Mm. Because I guess if it was a true mystery, they'd have answered the question at the end of who done it. Yeah. But you don't know. That's unfortunate. There's just a bloodbath. Well, and- I'm kind of glad I didn't read it then because that would have been even more irritating if I had like <laughs> plowed through it to get just to the ending and not have any sort of big reveal. I would have been even more pissed. Well, and you know, and that was, I think, part of it too. One of the bummers was not, well, I don't know if I call it a bummer, but the... So th- again, throughout the book, the the narrator is going, well, you know, there's plenty of quadriplegics that live and eventually the police will get here. They'll rescue me. And, you know, it won't be the greatest of lives, but I could make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still alive now. It's just, you know, whether or not anything happens between now and the time when, you know, the the police get here and save the day. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, he like has this realization and he essentially, I guess for lack of a better word, kills himself. Like he's, he figures out a way to be a little bit mobile towards the end. And he's like doing it very carefully so that he doesn't like kill himself. And, and then it's like, it literally stops mid word. He's like, cause he's like, Oh, the new, the replacement security are on their way up the elevator they'll I know how long it'll take for them to get here which means I have this amount of time and you know and you know and so he's kind of talking and then it's really obvious that he's trying to you know off himself before they get there and can rescue him Mm. and then it ends mid-sentence and that's how the book ends so you assume that he killed himself Hmm. or did he or did he dun 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 Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) so anywho that is a security um, I would recommend it again, like I said, if you like a quick and easy read and you don't mind a little, uh, guts and blood and suspense and again, a little bit of 
romance and sex. There's a, a little bit of all, a little bit of all of it in this book. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. A uh, sminkling of this. So, yeah. anywho. Well, do you want to take a quick break really quick and then we'll come back and talk about zombies? Brains. <laughs> Let's do it. So we are back, and we are going to talk about my book, World War Z, by Max Brooks. And um, it's an oral history of the zombie war. (laughs) (laughs) You know I was a history major, right? Were you? I was. (laughs) We'll talk more about that later. You go ahead. Um, So I guess... you know, I didn't really like this book. I'm just going to get it out there from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> this I, was not a good week for Miss Curie Fry. It's, you know, I started grad school, so maybe my brain was just having a hard time with uh, fic- fiction books or maybe nonfiction books. Who knows? Um, but it seems like the thing with this book was that I had a hard time thinking that it was fake. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, it scared the bejesus out of you because you're like, this could be real. I, I mean, it could be. Like, this, I think, is a perfect example of what will happen if the zombies do come. Or really any ma- – I talk about in my little notes about any major disaster. Totally. Like, I don't think we are prepared to handle any sort of like endemic say- – or oh, pandemic, pan- pandemic, pandemic of mass mm-hmm. quantities, or say climate change. I mean, but that's like fake news, Corey. Yeah, what am I talking about? <laughs> I only have a degree in it. What do I know? But you know, I so what's funny is that I was reading this book at nighttime, and it's <laughs> not a very good book to read at nighttime. And so the way it's written and laid out is that this man has collected these stories of from people who have survived this attack on people zombie apocalypse and they're from different places around the world so there's some united states there's like the philippines there's bangladesh like there's china japan everywhere and he's collected the data Mm -hmm. and he's interviewed them and asked them like what happened how did you survive what was the first signs he interviewed people from the cdc of like Mm -hmm. what could we have done differently um and the one thing that I, I started having some really freaking weird dreams about this book. For example, I dreamed that I was like popping a pore on my nose and I popped it and then I looked at it on my finger and then it was like a freaking maggot and it started moving around. Ew. Like that's the sort of dream. Oh, I think I just threw up my mouth a little bit. Oh. Like, so I had to stop reading this book at nighttime because it was like – Messing with my dreams of like, I'm going to pop a pimple and it's going to be alive. (laughs) All right. Let's move on from that. (laughs) So don't read this book at nighttime is curious lesson of the day. And, but, you know, I just, I think it was, I just think it's something that this is a good example of we need to get our shit together when mm-hmm. something ma- major happens. Like sure. the unpreparedness, I think that everybody experienced mm-hmm. with each of their stories, because they're all different. So you don't really get any main characters Mm-mm. except for the guy collecting the um, stories, which is, what's his name? Oh, I don't know. I don't think they ever tell us his name. Maybe they don't. Um, 
I liked the faux introduction. Did you get pick up on that? Yes. That was actually yes. like it was an introduction to the book, but it was like an introduction of this was a tr- real a real book. Yes, <laughs> and I story. think that maybe that is why I was like, oh god, this really <laughs> happened. Um, so yeah, you don't really know who the guy is telling the story. I'm gonna just assume that it's maybe Max Brooks. Mm-hmm. Like this is him telling of the story. Sure, why not? And you just hear all of these different instances and there's like fake footnotes with citations on them. And I think that's, it's really hard for me to differentiate between fact and fiction when people go out of their way (laughs) to make freaking footnotes with citations on them. And I'm just like, Oh, see, this is real. (laughs) So yeah, it was, um, you get a different flavor each section about Mm -hmm. what people have experienced, how we need to be more prepared. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. So I I had a similar take, but a different reaction. Okay. Um, so this was actually the second time that I've tried reading this book. I bought this for Robert a million years ago, and I actually just looked at when it was published and it was published in 2006. So it's 11 years old. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was interesting. And I I can't remember why I couldn't get through it before. Just probably the wrong time for this type of book. I think I found it a little dry. I don't think I fully at that point gave it enough time to understand what the author was trying to do with it. Mm-hmm. And as I started reading it again this time, I was like, oh my gosh, he is totally doing an homage to Studs Terkel. Do you know who that is? No. So he is a journalist who's known for his oral histories. And I had, of course, as a history major, as an undergrad, I read a couple of Studs Terkel books. Okay. And... Very same format. Go out, interview a bunch of people, do a little introductory, who they are, what their context is, and then just basically a narrative of the of the conversation that they he had with them. And um, I think one of the things that I found challenging about the book, but I didn't necessarily dislike it, is you did have to, you know, each of the stories stand alone. I was reading a review of it and it was saying you could flip around. You could skip one. If you don't really like it, you don't have to keep reading mm-hmm. it. And there was definitely a couple I would race through. I was like, this is boring. Yeah. There were um, a couple that I had too that were like, there's nothing happening in this. Well, or I will say there was a couple where I, so I read it at night as well. I didn't have the same dream problems that you had, <laughs> but I found that if I was tired, I couldn't focus and I yeah. couldn't follow it. And there was one that a good example is there was one, um, and I want to say it was in like, he was in Asia at that point. So he was in like China or Japan. And I read like the first page and a half and I was like, this is boring. And why are they sharing all this information? And I'm like, and I'm tired. I can't even remember what I just read. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to bed. And then the next day I picked it up and I like started to read where I stopped and I couldn't do it. So I went backed up to the beginning and I reread it. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's why they had all mm-hmm. the, this context and backstory. And then I, and then it was an interesting story. But sometimes, yeah, there was a little bit too much lead up to kind of what was the role or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think what I – so sometimes I'd have these moments where – I would be, they would reference something that someone else had talked about. So I liked kind of how that would piece together. I think what it would have maybe made this better for me. I was, I was looking as you were flipping through it and there, there's actually sections. So the chapters are the sections are called or chapters. I don't know what you want to call them. Warnings, blame, the great panic, turning the tide, home front USA, around the world and above total war and goodbyes. And I think this sounds really silly, but if even in the, what do they call this thing at the top up here? 
the title the heading, header. The header. Mm-hmm. If the header had had that section's name, I think that would have been really helpful for mm-hmm. me. Does that yeah, make sense? Totally. Because you read it for, you're like, okay, I need to remember this is about warnings. Right. And then you get kind of lost in the stories and you're yep. like, what? It, I think it would have given more purpose to the stories is what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say. And it would have given just a tiny touch of structure that would have kept me going in a, in a better way. Yeah. But the thing that I kept thinking throughout it, and I wish I'd made a, I'd written it down when I was thinking it, but I was lazy. Sorry. Um, is I kept thinking kind of similar to you. There would be comments, and even though it was framed as a zombie apocalypse, I'm like, this has already happened. Like, yeah. this is unfolded this way, or this could totally happen tomorrow. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and which is, again, scary considering this was pu- pu- published 11 years ago. Um, but I found an NPR article, and it says, Brooks believes uh, the book r- provides a good history lesson. Before I'm a zombie nerd, before I'm a science fiction nerd, I'm a history nerd. Everything that I put into World War Z has actually happened at some point in human history. All I did was zombify it. Mm. And so I think that's why it felt so familiar because it was just a different context and a different catastrophe that was on a global scale. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, again, we've never had like a global scale catastrophe like this. But I think with with so much going on in the world right now, I think that maybe is also why it was disturbing because you could kind of even obviously zombies are probably not going to be the catastrophe we face. But you never know. I mean, who knows what people are cooking up in labs? I know. I mean, there are so many things we don't know what's happening. Uh, Yeah. I'm just not even going to think about it. Yeah. But I thought it had a lot of social commentary about injustice and who is um, impacted the most by these things and who is harm, you know, who, who, who gets away with shit, Mm -hmm. uh, who comes out on top and who just gets screwed over. Mm -hmm. And again, I think no matter what we were talking about, it would be the same outcomes. Yeah. So that was kind of sad and frustrating. My last question was, does he want us to be hopeful? I mean, I mean, the implication at the end is that the world does, I mean, with the book as a whole is that, humanity does bounce back sort of like not everyone dies and they do overcome this terrible undead thing and you know i i'm gonna say yes but i don't know you know part of me is thinking that the people with the resources are going to survive if something major happens Mm -hmm. and then the people that are middle to lower class are not going to survive you know, it's mm-hmm. not that that would be intentional, but I think it makes sense fiscally for people with more money to survive something major because they might have bigger opportunities to mm-hmm. build special contraptions to stay in in case something happens. You know, like the whole idea of a nuclear war happening with North Korea. Right. You know, part of me is like, well, I mean, we're going <laughs> to die quick, so I guess that's nice. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, mm-hmm. are we going to die quick? Like, what if it goes into the ocean on accident and it kills everything in the ocean part of the coast and then another part of the coast is totally fine like (laughs) my whole i just can't Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know it's i just try not to think about it yeah but so yeah i mean i think he was you know at the end his message was about survival and overcoming but um the other thing I think I would add, kind of, a, this is not related to what I just said, but I, the level of detail, like, take this however you want as far as your interest in the the idea of a zombie apocalypse or oral histories or 
just world catastrophe in general. But the level of detail in what he did was really impressive. Yeah. And the few that stood out to me was the one about the the guy, the dog handler guy, when he talked about the do- the sniffer dogs. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know he still had his little dachshund, which of course. Doc, his doc mutt, which I was like, why well, I have a doc mutt? <laughs> I was like, Coco could be a zombie sniffer. <laughs> Anyways, um, and then uh, this one wasn't as cool, but like, like the the whole one about the feral children. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was creepy. Mm-hmm. But just the level of detail that he went into and in searching out different people, the the deep sea diver guy, mm-hmm. and you know the the army guy that clear that you know was involved in different battles. I mean. That was an intense level of detail. Yeah. Um, the guy that created the fake pill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just, I, I was I was impressed. Because, again, I, all of these things seemed plausible, you know. And yeah. I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I finally made it all the way through it. I don't know that I could read it again. I think it's definitely for a certain audience yeah um i don't know that it's going to be palatable to everyone it certainly is low on the blood and gore really yeah there's it's not very i mean there's talk about death and killing and dying but it's not descriptive in a way like the security book got really descriptive with guts and blood blood splatters everywhere (laughs) um this it was like yep people died and yep sometimes they got their arm ripped off or their face ripped off right but that was as far as he went with it yeah it didn't get very gory i don't know why i had that dream (laughs) It's your subconscious. I guess. Zombies in my nose. Yeah. But my last note was, is that we picked, both picked books that had unusual formats. Yes, definitely. Which I thought was kind of interesting and cool. Yeah. (laughs) Very different formats. Very different, very different topics. But I think it worked for both of them. Yeah. I mean, it was perfect. I mean, I don't know about security, but World War Z was Mm -hmm. pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. So... Um, and I would say my last thing I would say, and then I'll quit saying the last thing I'm going to say, because I think I've said that like five times now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I had more to say about it than I thought I did, is uh, it's nothing like the movie. Oh, OK. The, and I, 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 I think the I think the basic premise of a zombie apocalypse was all that they took for the movie. Oh, OK. It's not at all like a documentary style or anything like that. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. Yeah. OK. That has Brad Pitt in it, though, right? It does. OK. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, but it's definitely nothing like the book. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, successful reading of books this week. Right. So I think we have some news about what we're up to. Corey, do you want to? Yes. So recording and scheduling news is what my notes say. Um, well, we are approaching November. And so between the upcoming holidays and um, our crazy lives, Mm -hmm. we decided that we probably need to take a little break, catch up a little bit, regroup and reorganize ourselves um, and start 2018 fresh as a daisy Mm -hmm. and maybe with some uh, pre-recorded episodes to keep keep, keep (laughs) for our safety net when life gets crazy. Uh, To give you an idea, we we pre-recorded, what, eight episodes? Yeah, eight or ten. And we're down to one surplus one. So that should give you an idea of how much we've had to rely on those this fall. Anyways, we are loving this, but we don't want to get burnt out. And we realize that we need to do a little self-care. So for November, we're going to scale back a little bit. We are going to record two episodes. And we really wanted to honor the idea of Native American Heritage Month, um, similar to what we did for um, Hispanic and Latino Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. So we are going to record two episodes. We'll do one fiction and one nonfiction around uh, either 
author, Native American authors or books that focus on Native American life and history. Mm -hmm. So, and then in December, we are tentatively planning one to two episodes. We're thinking about sharing maybe our 2017 reading favorites, which may or may not be things you've heard about on the podcast. Probably not, actually. Probably I would say. not, yeah. Maybe one or two. And um, we've also thought about maybe doing a holiday gifts for book lovers episode. I think probably we'll be more likely to find time to do the mm -hmm. favorites. And the other one will be just kind of if... The stars align. Exactly. <laughs> We're also planning to do a couple of uh, social media giveaways in um, between now and the end of this year. So please still be continuing to pay attention to us on social media. And um, yeah, that's kind of where mm -hmm. we're headed. And we'll come back in 2018. I think first up in 2018 will be the French versus the English. Dun, dun, dun. So since I seem to love French books about France and Carrie seems to love <laughs> books about England, it'll actually, be, it'll actually be a great way to start yeah, the year out, I, I think. I think so. Yeah. 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 So our first reads for November will be Native American nonfiction. And um, since I'm still talking in my books first, I'm going to keep talking. So I picked Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI by David Gran. And the little synopsis that I pieced together says, In the 1920s, the richest people per capita in the world were members of the Osage Indian Nation in Oklahoma. After oil was discovered beneath their land, they rode in chauffeured automobiles, built mansions, and sent their children off to study in Europe. Then one by one, the Osage began to be killed off. The family of an Osage woman, Molly Burkhart, became a prime target. Her relatives were shot and poisoned, and it was just the beginning as more and more members of the tribe began to die under mysterious circumstances. As the death toll climbed to more than 24, crazy, the FBI took up the case. It was one of the organization's first major homicide investigations, and the Bureau badly bungled the case. Mm, interesting. So I'm excited. This is a fairly recent, it's still in hardback, so it's pretty new and it's been on my list for a while. So I, as soon as we started talking about this, I was like, I know what my nonfiction will be. Yeah, totally. And mine, I have also known for a while that I wanted to read it. It's called Neither Wolf Nor Dog, On Forgotten Roads with an Indian Elder by Kent Nurburn. So an incisive character study of a Native American elder against the unflinching backdrop of contemporary reservation life and the majestic spaces of the Western Dakotas. Nurburn Nurburn? Nurburn. Nurburn draws us deep into the world of this elder, identified only as Dan, as we journey to where the vast Dakota skies overtake us and the whisperings of the wind speaks of ancestral voices. As this spellbinding story unfolds, Dan speaks eloquently on the power of silence, the difference between land and property, white people's urge to claim an Indian heritage, and the selling of sacred ceremonies. This is a story of fathers and sons, of the struggle of redemption after the loss of innocence, and of distinct cultures on a common land. So... It'll be, I think it'll be great because we live surrounded, like mm -hmm. we're in the middle of, yep. and probably on, mm -hmm. Indian reservations all over Arizona. So I think it'll be, yeah, it'll be nice to read a little bit more about mm -hmm. the culture and. And such a contrast. Mm -hmm. um, yours is more about traditions. Mm -hmm. Mine is essentially a murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It'll be good, yeah. good reading, I think. I think so. I'm yeah. excited about it. So that is where we're headed, folks. All right. Well, hope you guys have a great week. Yeah. We'll talk See to you next soon. time. Hey, book friends. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. 
head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 